Mine's good. Come on, Brent. Life's good. Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have. Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, back alongside. Hello, Scott. Sean, hey. How's it going, buddy? Okay, uh, okay. I've been been uh, a little under the weather. Yeah, since I since I returned home, so uh, bright side, I got to watch a lot of curling. A lot of curling. Uh, downside, most of it was through some uh, Nyquil lenses. <laughs> so we'll see what I can remember. Yeah, so you were uh, in Europe last week, missed the big Continental Cup episode. Yeah, I did, I did, but I I think I was probably the first one to listen to uh, to the episode once it dropped because I woke up not too soon after and. Uh, yeah, I had a chance to watch the game you were talking about. Uh, from my eyes, it didn't seem as egregious, but, uh, um, you know, obviously it was not great <laughs> right? Uh, for anyone. And uh, I mentioned I thought Rachel Holman was more upset with Oscar Erickson than her own teammates, uh, but, you know... That, that was just what I got from seeing it. Yeah, so if you missed on Twitter, uh, they did, Curling Canada did post that game. It's the Saturday Night Draw, uh, Mixed Scramble. It is up on YouTube now. Curling Canada did post it. I don't know if they put any sort of geo restrictions on their YouTube channel. Uh, so maybe some of our American listeners could let us know, our European folks too, uh, just let us know. But certainly in Canada, that game is accessible, so you can watch it. If you go... Uh, right at the hour 30 minute mark, basically, on the the thing, uh, on the, the file, is where the timeout is. That mm-hmm. was the majority of what I was talking about on that show. But I think it is worthwhile to watch the game in its entirety to see what that team dynamic was like. And uh, th- the last thing I, I think I want to say about it is, you know, this week, a lot of the responses that we've gotten... Uh, and, and this isn't universal by any means, but uh, in general, the women who have seen it and have, who I've talked to both online and offline felt that it was somewhat problematic. The men who have seen it feel somewhat less, that it was less problematic, which in and of itself, I think, highlights uh, a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, absolutely. so it, it's, it's just something that, uh, you know, as we continue to move forward, uh, hopefully these situations don't happen uh, in the future. And that, uh, as I said on the show, at the very least, it was a terrible team communication dynamic uh, at the very least. So uh, hopefully if, if uh, we're going to keep this Continental Cup format that the uh, just the overall cross-team communication gets better. Yeah, for sure. And I know for a lot of years, uh, you know, when they did play mixed at this event, it was always the men skipping, yeah. sometimes at the expense of female skips, which I I was always really, really against. Like, they, there was Oscar Erickson skipping and Anna Hasselberg playing third. Right. And you're like, why? Well, something's wrong here, yeah. right? I know Oscar Erickson skipped in juniors, but... You know, like these are the best female players in the world. Let put them in a position to show their talents, yeah. And then once they get there, don't don't talk all over them and right. and talk down. Yeah, and they did that again this year too. BJ Newfeld and Oscar Erickson did skip in the mixed uh, skins games. 
they were playing with the thirds. Basically, the skips played with the skips, and the okay. thirds played with the thirds uh, in that game. But yeah, so just moving forward, you know, I like the I like that format. I like that mixed scramble. Uh, where you have one draw to the men's skips and, and another draw to the women's skips. Uh, so hopefully, uh, again, just overall communication dynamic can improve. So we are going to talk, Scott, about uh, the teams now getting back with their regular lineups, uh, with one exception. This week out there in beautiful Yorkton, Saskatchewan, for the Canadian Open. Yeah, it looked cold, Sean. Cold in Yorkton. Uh, I, he- I heard a lot on the broadcast talk about no humidity, no yeah. frost here this week because it was minus 40. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, I'll tell you, man, I, you know, I lived in Regina for a couple of years. I'll take minus 40 in Regina than zero in Vancouver, like any day of the week. Uh, or certainly, you know, if you saw the pictures of what happened in St. John's uh, this week, hopefully everyone's safe uh, mm-hmm. out there in Newfoundland um, and digging yourselves out. But, you know, minus five in St. John's when I was out there last year was worse. It felt worse than the minus 35s and 40s I felt in Regina. Eh, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so the result was some ice that was maybe a little different than the, the teams are used to. And also a bit of a different format this time. Yeah, so this Grand Slam, the Canadian Open, goes with the triple knockout format. A draw, B draw, C draw. Uh, the... Road to the Roar. I don't know if they still do this, but certainly used to do it. Uh, it's Vic Router's least favorite format. Uh, he he loves the round robin, doesn't have to keep track of all these other things. Uh, but basically, if you lose three games before the playoffs, you're out. Uh, it's basically how it goes. As long as you don't lose three, then you will make the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I really like the triple knockout format, but I don't like it when it takes a team, a field of 16 down to a field of eight. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like, I just, I feel like it should be a, a 16 down to four and yeah. get a page going for the playoffs. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I, you know, I put out on Twitter last night that is there any difference in this format other than you don't know who's going to play who and when? Like that's yeah. that, that's really all it is because the triple knockout doesn't lead to a different playoff. And if you w- win the A side in this format, you've played Thursday afternoon, and they're not playing again until the quarterfinals on Saturday. That's right. Which probably isn't great, right? Because you've only been there for two days at this point. It's not like you're really exhausted, except for maybe the Continental Cup teams mm-hmm. who are probably a little beat up. But it didn't like. There's really no advantage to winning the A side. Because yeah. all these teams are so good that even if you're seeded first in the playoffs, you're going to play somebody really good who is capable of beating you. So some sort of advantage of coming out the A side would be great. Or, or I don't know how many more draws it would take. And certainly it wouldn't work on the TV side to just have a straight triple knockout right? No, right, through the whole thing. But it, I just wish that the format, the change in format, continued through the weekend. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's sort of like, what the heck? What the heck's the point of this? And it's not like it's one of these bond spiels where, uh, you know, it's like free beer, so you can spend that off day just yeah. drinking all the free beer you want, right? right? You know, it's uh, like like you say, there's no advantage to sitting at home for for a whole day, right? And it's you know, we we even saw it, you know, when the Briar and Scotties used to have the one two game Friday night. 
that winning that game, it, it was tough for those teams to come back Sunday a little bit. They would practice, but it's not quite the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So just I, I love something different. I really enjoy that. You know, we, we complain about a sameness, about the Grand Slams. Just if you could continue this forward into the, the playoffs, that'd be great. But they didn't, and they don't. So we yep. got a, a traditional eight-team playoff on each side. Let's start with the women. It was the featured game today, as it was the CBC game, which I always consider the, the higher-profile game okay. that they're putting on the CBC. And it was Anna Hasselberg against Minji Kim, the young Korean team. Anna Hasselberg gets the win, third straight Grand Slam. Uh, she won two consecutive Grand Slams last year and then didn't play in the third, uh, third one because of European championships but she has won five grand slams in about 14 months 14 15 months yeah newsflash they're good sean yeah they're they're good they're still good uh you know you might have thought oh uh are they still good after christmas (laughs) yeah they're still good still good uh yeah pretty good job for their team minji kim on the other hand came out of the uh tour challenge tier two event sean that's how they earned their invite to this one uh, and managed to make it all the way to the finals. Definitely showed a bit of their uh, lack of experience today during the game. Yeah, so I want to talk about that a little bit, uh, that lack of experience. There's a couple points in this game where it really stood out. In the fourth end, uh, Minji Kim has a potential double opportunity to score, I think, three. And Anna Hasselberg on her last one just, I think, came a little too deep. And it was a shot where... It's a double, but the stone your rock is hitting, the first one you're hitting, is slightly below the one that you're going to double into. So you needed to come off the rock a little higher. So in this particular case, they should have thrown the in-turn because you get a bit of a higher reaction off of the stone. They played the out-turn, which is going to come off just a little bit lower. That's right. And they talked about it on the broadcast that it was the wrong turn turn to play in that case. And... That was just one of these these little things of, of an inexperienced team going with the turn that had been played the whole end, which I, mm-hmm. I I'm, my Korean, sadly, is a little rusty. So I, I couldn't really understand what they were saying, but they had played the out turn the whole end. So I, I'm assuming that was what led to that decision. But for the, the reaction that you need off the stone, should have been an intern, didn't have it. And uh, so they missed that shot. Yeah. So th- that was just one case of a little inexperience there now two ends later in the sixth end she has the same opportunity after Anna Hasselberg comes like six or seven feet deep on a draw and she makes it and made it yeah yeah so you you see this it's this cool thing of like same direction almost the same shot the rocks were a little further apart and further back in the house but you know she she gets the second opportunity throws the turn and makes the shot it was kind of fun yeah yeah exactly exactly and then uh you know, you know, we we talk about Mike Harris and how he doesn't really you know, pull punches on the broadcast, and uh, I, I don't think he's going to be getting a Christmas card from the Korean coach, <laughs> Sean. Uh, the coach came out twice in the seventh end, and both times Mike Harris vehemently disagreed with his uh, his his help that yeah. he was offering, and I did too. I I don't understand. So the first time he came out, uh, they had a rock back of the house behind a corner guard and there was a, a Swedish rock that was poking out on the outside of, of that corner guard a little higher in the house 
uh, and the Korean shot rock was shot rock. Uh, they decided to draw for some reason instead of playing a hidden role. Yeah. Uh, it, it was just like insane to me to leave <laughs> an Anna Hasselberg stone there, given that they that Hasselberg had hammer. Like, why would you leave the other team stone in play? Right. You can put two behind a guard, and now you're really the force is on. Uh, what did you think of that decision? Yeah, I was a little curious. I, I didn't, I didn't disagree as strongly because if you ever crash on it, then you're looking at a big number. So I, I wasn't as firm as certainly Mike Harris was on on the broadcast, but I understood where the coach was coming from. Well, if you crash on it, it's two. Like, yeah. Okay. But I mean, you, you're also. I mean, if you make a perfect, which they didn't they... draw, uh, you could steal, potentially, right? So you know, it's certainly a more aggressive call, a little more risky in that scenario, in that in that situation. But you know, you're also a team just out of juniors playing Anna Hasselberg. You're in the final. I mean, you're kind of playing with house money already. Yeah, but but in that case, like, keep it simple. My my way of skipping is uh, to assume everybody's better than me, and let's just make the most simple shots. Sure. Lots of takeouts and simple draws. Yeah. Because why do we need to get get a, mixing things up here? Yeah, yeah so. but it, it's an end of game scenario too. This wasn't the second end where this is going on. It's it's the end of the, it's the seventh end end of the game. You know, you're you you're in a position where. You know the the odds, straight up odds, based on the score and hammer and stuff, aren't really in your favor. So you are gonna probably make a little more of an aggressive play, take a little more risk in that situation. I I, yeah, I guess I understand, but uh, I I think it was the wrong call. Okay, yeah, and, okay. and then on top of it, she'd missed the shot. Right, which isn't great. So yeah. Uh, Team Hasselberg didn't have a very good end that end either. Right. Uh, missed a few. Ended up having to draw for one. Yeah. Uh, and then in the last end, uh, yeah, I, I had a much bigger problem in the the eighth end. In the eighth what, end, yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. what Minji Kim does, uh, she peels the center guard that that Anna ha- center guards that Anna Hasselberg throws up, and basically turns it into an open end. And yeah. you know, she tried at the end, you know, to come around the Hasselberg stone, try a couple different things, but you know, she peeled it, and in the moment, as soon as she did it sort of realized she went, Oh no, that that was not what you need to do if you want to score too. Right. Right. So yeah, a big mistake there in the eighth as well. And then, you know, once you're into the extra good luck against uh, a team as great as Anna Hasselberg. Yeah. And Minji Kim on her last one in the ninth, then had a miss there too. You know, could have made it a little more difficult for Anna Hasselberg, but after Minji Kim throws, uh, Anna Hasselberg was second shot at the back of the house. Yeah. Right, she was trying to play something where she would sit too. I believe it over curled just a bit, and uh, so Anna Hasselberg just had to rip it out. Yeah. Didn't, didn't matter what her her shooter did. It ended up staying in for the two. But you know, one of these things that you, you'll have to learn how to win at that level, mm-hmm. really at any level. And, you know, playing those games, you know, making those mistakes, they'll go back and they'll look at, uh, they'll probably watch this game or at least look at the decisions and, you know, th- they'll be better for this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Another, another young team, uh, Alina Kovaleva there. I don't know if you watched any of the quarterfinal yesterday against Jennifer Jones. Uh, yeah. They basically gave her, gave her four. They did. And, 
they were they were up by four, which was kind of nice that they had the cushion. But uh, you could see them kind of like, oh, right. like, oh, oh dear, like it was just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, they managed to pull out the win. They did so good for them. But yeah. that's a game that they'll learn a lot from as well, for sure. And these these younger teams just need to get those reps, right? Yeah. Hell, we saw it with. Uh, well, certainly we'll talk about Brad Jacobs. But if you remember Brad Jacobs' first couple of years at the Briar. Not great records, mm-hmm. uh, but you know the talent was obviously there. You just it, it just takes a while to learn. Brendan Botcher, the same thing, right? It just it takes time uh, to learn how to win. So uh, Rachel Holman, right? You just basically yeah. name all the great teams, right? It takes time uh, to learn how to win. So um, you know, and and they talked about Anna Hasselberg on the broadcast too, sort of her progression as a player. You know, when she first started on tour, someone who you want to make draw, mm-hmm. and now it's to a point where sort of 50 50 i mean she's gonna make whatever, whatever in all yeah. likelihood yeah. so you know i i'm i'm way more bullish on minji kim and that team now than i was before and i was already bullish on them yeah so I, i'm really uh, excited to see what they do uh, certainly because anna hasselberg has won three times i would imagine that they're going to be invited to the champions cup at the end of the year as the runner-up of this event mm-hmm. uh, which will be great to see them in another a field like this and i'm sure with the points they're going to get with this uh if they are going to be the korean representative at the world championship we could see them as a regular full field team next year yeah might do might do uh anything else stand out to you on the women's side you, you mentioned the kovaleva jennifer jones game uh that's a game where if jennifer jones is playing a more experienced skip probably uh, it's like a nine-one yeah. game. Jennifer Jones did not play well in that game. The whole team was struggling a bit, but certainly Jennifer Jones was mm-hmm. uh, continuing, sort of almost like a season from hell for Jennifer Jones, uh, based on a Jennifer Jones standard. Right, uh, better than most people, but she really struggled in that game there, and and was just was just off in the playoffs. I didn't get a chance to see them during any of the the. Uh, I want to say round robin, but the the preliminary play, right, right, uh, and uh, but but the the playoff uh, that game against Kovaleva, yeah, uh, I'm glad it was the TV game, uh, but yeah, it just didn't really seem comfortable out there. Yeah, yeah, she she also played. Uh, I I saw a game against Eve Muirhead, uh, which was the B qualifier, and jennifer jones their team didn't play very well at all and eve sort of handed them the win by missing her last shot uh the scottish team definitely outplayed jones in that game and deserved to win if not for a sort of disaster at the end uh so yeah like uh, you know you see jennifer jones in the playoffs but you know going into a tough provincial this year i i I can't say she's going to be the favorite. I don't. I don't think she is the favorite. I think it's clearly going to be Carrie Anderson at this point uh, to be the favorite to come out of Manitoba. Maybe Tracy Flurry is like a toss-up between those two teams. Mm-hmm. I would give a slight edge to Carrie Anderson, but yeah, Jennifer Jones might be three in the field. Yeah. So you know, and I don't. I haven't looked at standings or anything. I know they play a lot. So you know, for that wild card berth, I don't don't even know if it's going to be a lock if they don't come out of the province. Well, there's so so many moving parts right across the the country in terms of who wins. So uh, who knows what will happen there. Uh, The other thing coming out, of course, of the women's side, Scott, no Canadian teams making it into the semifinals. They said on the broadcast, first time that's ever happened at a Grand Slam. We have two Asian teams in 
uh, Minji Kim, obviously, and Satsuki Fujisawa in the semifinals, and then Hannah Hasselberg and Alina Kovaleva uh, in the other, or not in the other semifinal. Um, it was uh, Minji Kim beat Alina Kovaleva, yes. Hasselberg beat Satsuki Fujisawa. But if you needed any more evidence, right? I feel like we talk about this all the time, and it's been going on for the past five years. Everyone's like, see, this is a, the, the, you can't say that the world isn't catching up or hasn't caught up. Yeah. I feel like we say that a lot. Uh, but just, just another example uh, of how good the world has become. For sure. And especially on the women's side, it's, it's very, very uh, easy to see looking at world championships on the women's side, right? Yeah. Switzerland has won a bunch. Yeah. Canada has won, I think, two in the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, China's won world championship. Uh, you know, we saw uh, Minji Kim's team get a bronze medal last year. Yep. It's, it, yeah. The, yeah, Sweden, not Anna Hasberg, oh, but Sweden has won yeah. uh, a couple. And and so, yeah, especially on the women's side. Like, I think it's, it's still different on the men's side. I don't think the development ha- has been as strong on the men's side around the world what's the i I think the real difference between the the men's and the women's game is the women's game is stronger or or more competitive at least out of the pacific asia region Mm -hmm. that the teams who are coming out of that region to world championships to events like this are a little more competitive than the men's teams out of the region when they're going to world championships right now. Right now, yeah. That that yeah. I, I think that's the main difference. I think the European teams on both sides are really strong, and uh, it's just that Pacific Asia region that you know when when we're seeing the the Chinese men or the Japanese men, the Korean men, they're not quite as strong as their the, as the women coming out of those countries. Yeah, yeah, pretty uh, pretty. There was an interesting story I'm thinking of right now but my nyquil brain is uh <laughs> not remembering but i think japan uh didn't qualify out of the world qualifying event this past week uh mm-hmm. for the world championships this year i think it was the japanese men you can look it up and correct me if i'm wrong yeah, we'll look it up but uh because of course we saw team japan last year come and and you know beat canada at the world championships and uh have a really great run so uh, a little surprising to hear that there as for the rest of the women's field here, like uh, Tabitha Peterson, how about Tabitha Peterson? Uh, never skipped before in her whole life. She's always played a, a position other than skip Nina Ross on maternity leave. And uh, Tabitha's like, Oh, by the way, I'll just go and make playoffs. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Very impressive uh, for Tabitha Peterson. And it was a, a really solid uh, run for that team. It was, I was very impressed uh, to see, not only that they made it, but you know when they were doing the the sort of the check-ins on that quarterfinal game, that they, I mean, they were never really threatening to win. They were sort of behind that whole game, but you know she was making some shots. Yeah, and it was very impressive to see. She's a real shot maker. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I will say, uh, here we go. China wins the event in the yeah. uh, world qualification, so they make it. And Russia, Russia came out right. Beats Japan, uh, Matsumura, in the other game. Yeah. So on the men's side. So now Matsumura and Japan, they don't get any Olympic qualifying points this year. Yep. Uh, heading into the Olympics in uh, in Beijing, there in a couple of years. So 
tough a tough road for Team Japan. They might end up having to play through that Olympic qualifying event. Yeah. And on the women's side, uh, the Korean team makes it. Re- uh, Korea represented by Team Gim, Gim yeah. uh, this time. Uh, and uh, the Italians make it yeah. uh, as well on the women's side out of that world qualification event. Uh, someone, I think, uh, Rocks Across the Pond tweeted that one of those games went into a 12th end, too. Yeah, yeah, I heard there was a 12th end at that event. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually had a nightmare, Sean, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, maybe this is my <laughs> cold medication uh, uh wreaking some havoc on my brain, but I had a nightmare that I was in uh, an event and I had to play a second extra end. Oof. Yeah. Oh, nothing that's... more embarrassing than that. No, that's not Ooh, great. Oh boy. Uh, well, I mean, if you're the team without hammer, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's, I guess it's so. embarrassing for the team with hammer to, uh, <laughs> to clearly rolled out or missed the wide open draw to an empty house. Yeah. Like either way, it's not great. <laughs> um, so let's shift over to the men's side of the draw here at the Canadian Open. Brad Jacobs gets his third straight win, beating John Epping in the final in a game that it's sort of a tale of two halves, really, where neither team was really as precise as we've seen them in the past. The uh, Brad Jacobs uh, burst out to a 4 nothing lead and then gets a 4. So he's up 4-1 with the hammer. Yeah. And John Epping is able to work his way back, forces a single, then gets the deuce, and then it's the seventh end, and he's able to get a steal of two right. after a couple misses. One from Mark Kennedy on his last one, just overcurls a hair. And uh, similarly, Brad Jacobs' first one overcurls when he's trying to play a run back. And then he can't draw the side of the button uh, when John Epping has two there kind of touching the button. Yeah. Uh, Really difficult shot. Uh, But one of these games where when people point to the five rock rule and being able to come back, I think that seventh end is a good example uh, of of that. I think so, absolutely. And and I'll point out Epping only got a single with the hammer and then stole two to tie the game. So, yeah, like... these these like little misses that are that we saw are the things that we're not used to seeing yeah. with these teams that are so good and it could be because the ice is a bit different it could be the rocks are a bit different uh but i think it it makes it more interesting to watch and like you say the five rock rule being there allowing a few more rocks in play made that game interesting at the end we were yeah. watching uh that game with football beside it as well double and, screen and uh, as soon as they tied it, we were like, what the heck's going on? Yeah. So we, you know, flipped the sound over to the curling because uh, it looked like it was a bit of a runaway for Jacobs uh, at first. Yeah. So I'm thankful that uh, we have the the extra rocks in play and the chance for teams to come back. Sure. Uh, John Epping, I think he'll be the first to admit their team didn't deserve to win today. Uh, they got a couple bad picks. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, they weren't at the top of their game. No, for sure. De- definitely not at the top of the game. Uh, Ryan Fry, like, hogged one at one point. Uh, yeah. but again, they, they thought that was a pick. Uh, and and I, I thought the eighth end, though, was really interesting. Ryan Harden makes two perfect tick shots. Yeah. And John Epping, though, is able just to be really patient. And the their, you know, Brad Jacobs continues to peel, continues to peel. And he eventually, because of where the ticks ended up in the house, he's able to sit too. Yep. And Brad Jacobs has to draw and touch the, almost touch the forefoot, not quite, 
uh, to win the game facing two. And, you know, they said on the broadcast, what you want the other skips to do is to have to think. Right. right? And they talked for a couple minutes about, you know, the there's one sort of in the eight foot on the right of the screen. Do you try and play a hit on that? It's sort of half covered. Do you just play this, the cold draw into the four foot? And you want to put some doubt into the skip's mind. Almost worked. Brad Jacobs was a little heavy yeah. and uh, just stopped in time. You know, one of these things, John Epping came out to sweep it. I don't know why he ever let a skip sweep. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, it was one of these things where, you know, the strategy, that was probably the best end of the game in terms of the, the pure execution from both teams that Ryan Harden makes those two shots, but John Epping is able to to work and be patient to put himself in a position where given that Ryan Harden makes the two perfect shots, he has at least a chance to win the game where a lot of teams don't do that or, or, or can't work themselves into that position. Yeah, yeah, they, that's right. They There are a lot of teams that sort of give up. You know, once those tick yeah. shots are made, you see it in the body language. And uh, to to Epping's credit, no, he didn't do it. That didn't do that today. No, very impressive so, uh, performance from them. Pretty good performance. Whoa, the heat just kicked in. <laughs> cool. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about on the men's side, we yeah. saw on the women's side the tier two winner make it to the finals. On the men's side, Corey Dropkin qualifying out of the tier two event yep. ends up uh, coming out. I think the B side. He came out. Uh, in this event so like uh, pretty good showing for these teams that have the chance to go to the tier two and get an invite into this event as a result of winning it really showing that uh, the the depth of the field is is there yeah it was a really solid performance for them they actually lost the a final Final? to brad jacobs so they came out they beat uh bruce mowett mowett in the first game and then beat Maddie Dunstone in the second game to get into that A final. final. So uh, a really solid performance for them uh, overall, for sure. Yeah. uh, Team Mike McEwen, I thought had a pretty good showing this week. Uh, They had a pretty interesting game against Kevin Cooey on Thursday where Mike was like, we got like maybe a 1% chance to win. We got a steal steal. (laughs) Anyway, they ended up doing it. Uh, making it into the playoffs as a result of that B qualifier. Cooey's yep. team looked a little off this week to me, Sean. They, you know, they came from the the uh, Continental Cup. Yep. Uh, didn't seem to have their A game. No. Uh, a lot of uncharacteristic misses to give uh, McHugh in that win. So you know, uh, just you see the toll of a, a tough schedule. Yeah. Uh, anything else stick out to you? Well, a, cu- a couple other things. We didn't we didn't talk about it on the women's side, but uh, a couple of those Continental Cup teams did struggle. Now, two of them were in the finals uh, in Hasselberg and uh, John Epping, yeah. but uh, Rachel Holman misses the playoffs. Chelsea Carey misses the playoffs. Brandon Botcher misses the playoffs. And as you said, Kevin Cooey, mm-hmm. uh, he misses the playoffs, losing the C qualifier to Yannick Schwaller. So some teams that are really staples to just regular uh, playoff teams at these events don't make the playoffs here. So it was a, a really wide open field based on those results that, that teams who at the start of a week, you would just sort of pencil in automatically for a playoff mm. spot aren't there. Yeah. Really made it a much more interesting event. Do you, I, I don't think you can credit that to the format. You just credit it to they have a tough week. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh uh, 
one of the teams uh, that caught my eye was Glenn Howard's team. Actually, they they fell to yeah. the C event pretty quick, went zero and two at the gate, yeah. and then managed to you know get a little bit, bit of momentum going. Yeah. And uh, and actually, in their their first game in the C draw was against Nicholas Adin. So Nicholas Adin right. actually goes zero and three in this event. Uh, again, another big team and a continental cup team too yeah uh same peter de cruz also misses the playoffs here but yeah that you, you wouldn't have expected going into the week that glenn howard nicodine is are they're both zero and two in, in the c event yeah an early elimination game yeah uh, for sure no it was uh it was pretty fun to watch uh, i'd say i so like to to recap a bit what we said at the beginning i would like to see this format played out a little further into the weekend. I yeah. I would like let's not go from 8 or 16 to 8. Yeah. with this triple knockout. Let's yeah. try to get 16 to 16 to 4. Even if you want to cut the field down and go 12 to 4, something like that. Uh listen, I'm not a draw master, <laughs> but I maybe I'll try to tinker and come up with something in my spare time the next few days. There you go. Or you could even do, you know, make make the C teams play off another one right and so you yeah. go from four c teams to two and then while that's happening the two a teams are playing the two t the b teams are playing and there's just a way to sort of just make it a little more interesting right, right? You, you still for tv you have to work to a singular final yes right some of these some provincials do have it where it's like a double knockout and one team would have to beat the other team twice, twice. once you get to the final. And for TV, that doesn't work, of right. course. You, you need to have a defined final. But I, I think there is a way to just push that format forward, make it a little more interesting into the playoffs. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So overall, uh, congratulations to Brad Jacobs. Congratulations to Anna Hasselberg. And Brad Jacobs is now in seventh. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Very impressive. Uh, Mike McEwen has also won seven. Wayne Mada is next on the list for Brad Jacobs. He's won eight. Eight, that's right. So, otherwise, Scott, let's talk really quick about what happened in Prince Edward Island last week oh. where the Prince Edward Island Men's Provincial Championships went down and the Great Islander, Brian Cochran, Comes out victorious. Now, if you are unfamiliar with Brian Cochran, he has represented Ontario at the Briar. Also, this team that he currently is is going or will now be going to the Briar as Team PI. These four people were Team Ontario last year at the Canadian Senior Championships, and in the interim between those two events. None of them have moved back to Prince Edward Island. So this, Scott, is the natural result. It was going to happen eventually. I'm surprised it happened this fast. But this is the natural result of the new birthright rule, yes. which says that you can represent the province where you were born. Yeah. So there was some back and forth on Twitter about this. The PEI Curling Federation, uh, to their credit... The, the, I think the headline of the story was, you know, Islanders come home to, re yeah. to represent the province. Uh, but, but what do you think of this? I think it's the rule working the way the rules intended to work, Sean. I, I don't have a problem with it. I, if, if people who live on the island have a problem with it, 
Beat these four seniors. <laughs> That's what I say. But Eddie McKenzie. Yeah, if Eddie McKenzie, Eddie McKenzie, if he was better, that uh, like frankly, Eddie McKenzie's been to enough Briars. <laughs> I think we love seeing him there. Love Eddie McKenzie. Uh, he's so tall, <laughs> real tall guy. He's a big guy. Uh, but if Eddie McKenzie wants to represent Prince Edward Island, then he should beat a senior men's team. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with the spirit, right? Like the the rule is a nice compromise for the elite teams. The fear, of course, is that smaller provinces, and this is a smaller province thing. This this isn't yeah. this isn't a problem for Alberta or Manitoba or Ontario. It might become an issue in Saskatchewan. Yeah, right. Given the number of people who have left Saskatchewan who are top level curlers, but. This is a this is a potential problem for PEI, Nova Scotia, uh, certainly uh, Newfoundland as well. You know, I made a joke earlier that you know at some point after Brad Gushu retires, they might have to hold the Newfoundland provincials <laughs> in Edmonton, uh, g- given the number of Newfoundland folks who have left uh, who have left the province, or at the very least, a special charter plane <laughs> will leave from Edmonton to St. John's for for the provincials. Mm-hmm. But you don't. You just don't want to create a situation where curlers in a province are de-incentivized to participate in a provincial playdown. That that's the only concern that I would have with this. And you know, you saw it. I mean, Brad Gushu, of yeah. course, still lives there, but you you see it in Newfoundland where other people just don't want to sign up. And I think it becomes even worse if they don't want to sign up and the people who they don't want to sign up to play against live on the other side of the country. It's, it's, I don't know what the answer to it is, you know, and congratulations to Brian Cochran yeah. and, and that team. It's, it's just going to be, it's just a little strange. It just feels strange. And maybe it's because it's the first time. Maybe because it's the first time. Yeah. But I think, you know, uh, as you know, Sean, and I've said on this show, people from Saskatchewan, you know, they bleed rider green for life. Sometimes annoyingly so. <laughs> but so, you know, if somebody's moved away from Saskatchewan and come back to represent Saskatchewan, that's fine with me. Same with somebody who's from Quebec that has left and wants to go back and represent La Belle Province. I have no problem. Yeah. I, I have no problem with people who have gone west to, to BC because it's way more fun to live in Vancouver <laughs> than in Toronto coming back to Ontario to say, Hey, we can do this. So maybe, maybe in a future world where everybody lives everywhere and, then, <laughs> and it's all like cross pollination, who knows? But, uh, it's weird that the first time is this way. Yeah. I kind of thought we might see, you know, a Glenn Howard try to play at a PEI because I think he was born in Charlottetown uh, or Russ Howard at least. So I'm not surprised it's happening, but to, for Brian Cochran to be the uh, trailblazer in this, uh, I'm a little surprised by that. Yeah, I, I am as well. It's it's a little little strange that, that it's that particular team. I honestly, I mean, Brian Cochran 
plays at the or has played at the Rito Curling Club, right? I've played against him at the Rito Curling Club. I had no idea he was born uh, in Prince Edward Island, certainly. So it's a case here where I I don't know if you need to amend the rules. There there was a couple discussions on Twitter that perhaps we should change the rules. Uh, Mike Harris suggested an amendment that an athlete who is represented or competed in any one province may continue to do so in perpetuity under a grandfather residency clause. And that would be conditional that they conform to the residency rule at the time of their first year in competition. And then if you choose to represent another province, then you forfeit that right. So Mm. it's a case where basically you can only represent one province at a time, right? Because right now, Right. right, it, Given, I, I have no idea if Brian Cochran signed up for Ontario playdowns. Right. But in theory, they could have participated in two because they didn't overlap at all. But I think there is a rule against doing that. Okay. I think once you declare for one, you have to play only that one. Okay. But at, at all levels, though, like, could Brian Cochran be the men's senior, Ontario men's senior champions this year with that same team? That's a good question. Because right? that know. would be a little strange. Maybe we can ask uh, our friends at Curling Canada. Yeah, well, we'll look into this a little bit more. But uh, first time, certainly, that the residency rule has been uh, employed to this effect. And congratulations to Brian Cochran. Uh, And they will be there wearing the green and white, but a darker green than some of the other greens. Maybe a little purple in there. there? Uh, so, uh, So certainly congratulations to them. And that, of course, Scott, leads us into the provincial championship season yes. over the next couple of weeks. A lot of fun watching the provincial championships across the country. We'll be back to uh, talk about which ones we're most looking forward to. That'll be our next episode as we talk about uh, look forward and talk about some of the provincial championships across the country and what we might expect yeah and sean we're playing in a bond spiel next weekend we are the big bond spiel here in ottawa the the rito curling club uh our dad buddy dave's coming up Uh, should be a good time oh it's gonna be fun i hope i hope i'm healthy by by that time yeah so also next weekend, Scott, which I've forgotten to mention, it continue, I, it's always been in my notes, but I've, always, I've forgotten to mention it. Next weekend, of course, is the Sawtooth Outdoor Bondspiel mm. out there uh, in the West Coast. In Idaho? In Idaho. And uh, so Jeff Salmons, of course, invited us again. We can't make it. Uh, but there is a documentary, a little mini doc called Curling in Stanley that he sent us uh, to watch. Uh, I've watched it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Actually, I'll I'll send him a note to see if he's cool with us putting it out on Twitter uh, and we'll get it out there uh, on Twitter. But uh, a lot of fun. It seems like the folks have out there. Very cold, of course, uh, but hopefully uh, they get great weather out there at the Sawtooth Outdoor Spiel next weekend. Yeah, Sean, uh, maybe one day I'll be able to afford a really good outdoor coat and we can, <laughs> uh, we can go and participate. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have anything for, uh, for minus 40 in my, uh, in my wardrobe anymore. Yeah, but you're doing a lot of sweeping. So it really, it only feels like minus 20. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's, it's great. So, uh, so good luck to Jeff and everybody out there. Uh, good curling at the, uh, at the Outdoor Spiel. Right on. And that will do it for this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed the Canadian Open. It was it was a fun event. We, we, we're always pushing for new formats with the Grand Slam. So at least they're trying something here. Uh, and, you know, good job. Just do it through the weekend. So uh, 
the next on the docket, we are now into the season of champions. Nothing on Sportsnet uh, for a while, with the exception of the the provincials, which are on there. But they're part of the season of champions uh, to a certain extent. So uh, we're getting back into TSN. Vic is, you know, he's been asleep since the Continental Cup. You know, he's recharging. Getting warmed up. For, uh, for, it's a marathon. Like, when you look at it, like, they go eight days, four days off and for yeah. two months, basically, uh, or six weeks, whatever it is. Like, they run through it, and, uh, you know, Vic is a champ doing it. Sure is. Yeah, he's a <laughs> uh, prince among men. Yeah, so it's a, a great time of the year. Also, here in Ottawa... And in a lot of cities across the country today, as we record this Sunday, is the dead of winter. Uh, your colleagues there at Environment Canada, Scott, uh, averaged it out over 30 years. Today, January 19th, is the coldest day of the year on average. So every day now until July 26th, I believe they said, the daily average will get a little warmer every day. Wow. How about that, Sean? So, and... and uh... Not to be remiss, uh, you know, in, in talking about the people on the East Coast, uh, the people on the West Coast got a bit of snow this week, too, yes. and uh, looked like they were having entirely too much fun <laughs> out there. But, uh, yeah, snow day. It was like a legit amount of snow, uh, 10 to 15 centimeters for them. Uh, really puts a damper into yes. it. So I uh, hope everybody's doing well out there. I'm sure it's all melted now. It's been raining for the last couple of days. So. But it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, that's the, that's the way they like it there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, everyone across the country, stay warm, stay safe. Uh, all are all the best to the folks in Newfoundland as well. Some of the pictures are uh, both scary, uh, but like Heather Strong has posted a bunch on Twitter of mm-hmm. like having to like climb over the drift in front of her house. The pictures of one of the the major parkways in St. John's when the plows are going through it. Like you can't see any road. There's no evidence of road. road yeah. Uh, and the plows are just sort of trying their best uh, to stay there. So uh, a scary situation. So all the best to everybody out there and certainly stay safe. So that'll do it for this week. We will be back with you again next week as we look forward to the provincial championships. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show on Google, Apple, wherever it is you get your shows. Give us the likes, ratings, all that good stuff. Helps other people find the show. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. Scott's there at Scott Likes TV. And I'm on Twitter at Dr. Shawnee Fever. And as always, you can email the show with any questions or comments that you might have. Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. So until we talk with you again next week, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.